Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury, I'll be joined by Clarky and Steve Sabarin. Uh, we will chat with our friend Jason Brooks of the Listle Cyclones organization first on what went wrong for the Leafs, what needs to change with them in his mind, how far can Montreal take this, uh, the Islanders and Tampa, what's going to go on in Vegas Will they be playing Montreal? Will it be producer Adams Avalanche? We don't know because we're recording this on the night of game six. We'll also talk about the sticky stuff scandal going on in Major League Baseball. We've got to talk about that. We'll, of course, also be joined by our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire of Cool Bet. Before we jump into the show, though, really quick, guys, uh, we just want to offer our condolences to the victims of the terror attack in London, Ontario this week. Horribly heinous act of violence uh, and terrorism. That's what it was. It was terrorism. Uh, five members of the same family uh, run down by a truck. We condemn this, uh, and and we just hope that all of our listeners and our viewers uh, know that they are welcome. Uh, you know, within our circle, within the sports world, and, and we want to we want to make sure that we continue to do more to make people feel more welcome. Because uh, at the end of the day, we all deserve to call ourselves Canadians, no matter what, guys. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky and Steve Sabern. Very pleased to be joined by our good buddy and friend of the show, Jason Brooks of the Listowel Cyclones organization. Brooksy, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, right? Thanks for having me on. We appreciate it, dude. As always, you're one of our favorites to talk to. Uh, unfortunately, I'll start this off on a sour note for yourself. Uh, let's talk about those we Maple go. Leafs. Yeah, I and Clarky. I know he was excited when when I told him <laughs> you were going to come on because Clarky can't get enough of just ripping into his Maple Leafs right now. <laughs> what is your uh, What's your opinion on what went wrong? Like they're up three one. They've got. They seem to be in control of the series after a really tough situation in the first game with John. Tavares I know it's been a couple weeks now and you know the dust is kind of settling a little but what in your opinion went wrong for them what did they not do well enough to close that series out Montreal played desperate in my mind from game five on um obviously with their back against the wall uh Carey Price played like the Carey Price of old um he was excellent and they didn't pay a price to get inside they didn't pay a price, the Leafs, to get inside in the scoring areas, right? And um, Montreal's game plan was wonderful. They they clogged up the neutral zone. They forced Toronto to dump the puck. And Clarky, yeah, I'm sorry, but did Toronto dump a puck all year? I, I'm not sure they knew where the corners were. Um, and, and Montreal taking away the rush on them really did hurt them. Um, it didn't help that players like Mitchie Marner had uh, one of the worst series a player could have in seven games, you know, for a guy that's again, not, I don't want to pick on him, but I'm picking on him. $11 million guy who, yep. you know, leads the team in points. You expect so much out of him. You know, Matthews, I'm going to give a little bit of reprieve, right? Because he, he didn't score, which sucked, but he played pretty good defensively. Like he didn't turn pucks over like Marner did seemed to win boards battles, which they needed. Um, but they still needed more offense out of him. Um, William Nylander, like, I mean, I bashed this poor guy all year and he was outstanding in the playoffs. And their defense, I, I think losing Jake Muzzin really hurt. Mm. Really, really hurt. Like, I think he's a glue guy back there um, and and helped that second power play unit because their first power play unit stunk. Uh, yeah, to me, against Montreal, you should have been able to overcome that. However, what I want to ask you, just being a coach, did you see many adjustments that Sheldon Keefe made? I didn't personally, and I just think that there could have been some more adjustments made. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing, but I'm just sort of following your lead. <laughs> I'm laughing, Clarky, because at the end of the day, there's been more coaches talking to me about the Leafs, I think because they know I'm a Leaf fan, ask me the same question. Like, why didn't he adjust? Why didn't he adjust? But, you know, to a fault, Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe both say this is the style of hockey they want to play. They want to play a possession game. They want to keep the puck on their stick. They don't want mm -hmm. to give it up. Montreal held the blue line, you know, and it, look at I, yes, I'm a coach. I got to coach at a decent level. I don't think I'm a rocket scientist, but when you, they hold the blue line, dump a puck and learn to yeah. retrieve it, right? And go after, and that's the old school way, but 
that still works in hockey in my mind. And, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you start dumping the puck in, won't the defense then maybe make some adjustments and then maybe you can carry it in like you want to? That That's the whole premise behind it. Yeah. Yes. Like you yeah. attack that blue line with speed. They want to stand up, you chip it, you send guys after it to right. retrieve it. You have a plan to get it back. Right. And to your point, exactly. They're going to back off that blue line, yep. which is going to give your offense a chance to carry that puck in and make plays. Yeah. Right. I don't get it. Anyway, <laughs> can they win with this group? What do you think? No, no, I, I really don't believe they can. And I, I was talking to what well, guys know Alan McCauley. who used to play for the Leafs. So he's yep. a good friend of mine. And we were talking about it. He wondered, uh, you know, and, and it's a really interesting point. Had things have been different. Had Sheldon Keefe got this group in the beginning when they were young and, and open to this style of play, but then replaced Sheldon Keefe with a Mike Babcock type who was going to try to tighten the reins a little bit. They brought in the pieces that Babcock wanted and a little more grit with guys like Simmons and Thornton, right, and Felino at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that style of play, right? Like Babcock wanted them to chip and chase at times. He wanted them to go after the puck. And again, I'm not comparing Babcock versus Sheldon Keefe. That's not what this is about. But just that idea, right? Like uh, somebody who's willing to play that style that could do both and make those adjustments that you uh, you talked about. Yeah. I want to go to yeah. the other side of the ice, um, Jason. And in your experience, you've coached a lot of young players and seen them blossom. Uh, for Montreal, Caulfield and Suzuki, two young guys, and they just seem to be getting better and better through the playoffs. What do they do that is so effective, and why can they do it? Um, I think Nick Suzuki has been a player in junior hockey, you know, on the world stage with the juniors and then into Montreal, um, plays 200 feet. You know, he plays whatever way the coach wants him to play, um, can, you know, be defensive, be responsible, but offensively so gifted and smart. Um, I think that's where his success has come from. Cole Caulfield, on the other hand, is a pure goal scorer, right? Like he is just, uh, a weapon on the ice and he's got one of those shots an Austin Matthews type shot where it's dangerous from any angle anywhere and just give him an inch and he'll take it. And it's a great opportunity. And I think the more confidence he gets from it, you're seeing each, each and every round or every game. I find it interesting too, that they have a teammate, a veteran guy in a Corey Perry that I know, you know, Clarky, we've, we know how you feel about Corey Perry. You love the guy. And I know the Leafs looked at him in the off season and they have, I find it interesting that they have him as a teammate now where I see Caulfield and Suzuki almost in a similar vein to Perry Getzlaff back in the day. Now Cole Caulfield's not Corey Perry. I mean, a, a far nastier human, but that center and wing combo, two young guys that ended up winning a cup on a team with a bunch of veteran guys, a veteran goalie in JS and you know they came together around what's what some people you know would consider a bit of an underrated defense core at least in Montreal I mean that Anaheim team had Chris Pronger and Scott Niedermeyer on it so that's not a great comparison but those two remind me of that and and Perry and guys like that and guys like Shea Weber who's going to play in a in a conference semifinal for the first time in his career um, you know, those are the guys that really bring those two along and make them feel awful comfortable out on the ice. And it seemed like the Leafs didn't really get a lot of that on the other side, Brooksy. Well, I, I, I completely agree with you on the Montreal side. Uh, their veteran leadership was excellent. Like uh, Corey Perry, you know, is a warrior hockey player. He's, he's won at uh, all levels, obviously from London right on through. Um, he, he's a character guy and, and again, a warrior type player that, um, these young guys can rally around for sure. One thing that you mentioned was the defense, right? And Shea Weber, but look at that entire defensive staff. I mean, the big four, uh, Shea Weber and Ben Chirot logging huge minutes defensively, keeping the game simple, clearing the front of the net for Carey Price. Joel Edmondson won a Stanley Cup in St. Louis, right? Like he's not a flashy guy, but he just pounds people and moves the puck simple. And the guy that's impressed me the most is that Jeff Petrie, you know, during the regular season, there's a guy that was your power play guy. He's kind of your offensive guy. Maybe take the odd risk to make a play. Did you notice that in the Leafs series at all? Like I didn't, he just played simple, solid. They're doing their jobs and they bought in, but 
to go back to your veteran leadership thing with Corey Perry and that these young guys kind of following their lead, they do the right thing because these older guys are doing the right thing. They're leading by example. They, they don't play with pucks of blue lines, um, hoping to make a miracle out of it. Right. And get the whole play. They chip it in, they go after it, they bang, they crash, you know, they're led by guys like that Anderson, right? Like, just a beast of a forward goes in, bangs and crashes, right? Like they, they set the tempo. Montreal, I think, is a more playoff ready team, built team than what the Leafs were. The Leafs are built on skill and and you love watching them because of that skill. But when skill doesn't produce, what's the old adage? Hard work beats skill. This is way too much Montreal Canadian praise for me. So I just want to get back to one other question uh, about the Leafs. When I asked you if uh, they had a, if they could win with this group, you said no. What do they have to move one of those top four then? And who do you think it would be? And what would they need in return? Uh, you need something big, obviously. I mean, yeah. Because uh, I, I don't think on... they're going to. I don't. I don't. I really don't. I don't either. I, I agree with you. I don't believe they will because I still believe Dubas right. is sold on that group. He, he builds yeah. it. He's going to stand by it. But if you could move one of them, you would want to move one of them. Well, I'm going to say not one of them. You're going to probably move Marner. Yeah. Um, well, he's a guy need, move. You need to get back, I think, a defenseman. Like Columbus and Jones aren't – that Seth Jones isn't going to sign. So you could flip Marner for him and and – Think of that trade Montreal, and again, I'm sorry we do the Montreal thing, but Montreal gets Josh Anderson from Max Domi. When you guys heard of that trade, what did you think in the beginning? Who won that trade? Yeah. Right? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But you would, they'd also say, well, there's $11 million roughly for Marner. Jones isn't making that yet, so we got to make or get something else back. But go get some depth. Go get some pieces that are depth guys that bang and crash to battle with what you're seeing in the playoffs. Yeah. Or re-sign Zach Hyman. I mean, you know, that would well, be that's uh, right. <laughs> that that's would a be a decent thing. Or to do. Casey Zizekas or someone like that. Uh, oh yeah. Well, well, would he leave the island? That's the thing. I mean, it, yeah, it's one of those things where the Leafs are going to have some some dancing around to do. And like we've you know stated here, I just I think that they are going to keep them off the premise that that core is still so young minus Tavares of the big four, because yeah, he's no, north for sure. 30 now, but, but they're yeah. going to stick with it. And I, I really think that it's going to be a thing where if they start getting toward the second or more back half of their contracts, if things still haven't gone well, then assuming Dubas is still the GM, which I think it's likely he will be, uh, then, they'll maybe do something a little more drastic, but I just don't think it will happen here. Um, Brooksy, let's, uh, I, I, Clarky, I'm sorry. Just no, no, that's good. It's good. We, we got to talk Montreal a little more here. No, we don't. Because let's move on to the yes, other series. Because, well, because, and I'm going to, because they're in the, they're going to go to the semifinals now. And guys were, you know, give us uh, the benefit of the doubt here where we're recording this on the night of games. Let's just Vegas, say they're going to play Vegas. So Vegas will win. Let's see. Let's just say, well, producer Adam won't like that, but <laughs> I know that's why I said it. Whether they play Vegas or Colorado, two teams that, again, like the Leafs, everybody would say are far more skilled and talented than them. Who do you think they'd fare better against? And can Montreal beat either of those teams and get to a cup final? I I think they'd have a better chance, honestly, of beating Colorado if they were going to play a team. Not, again, same idea, Colorado way more skill, but similar to Toronto, right? Like they, they have defensemen up in the play they're uh, off the rush type team um play with speed and watching a bit of the that series with with vegas where's vegas get their offense from the turnovers from the mistakes you know that that are being made by colorado so um they'd have a better chance at colorado i think in that series if they play vegas i just think vegas can lean on them with their size comparative to montreal um and they play simple hockey they really do they don't uh uh I don't think they have as many turnovers, say, as as the Colorados or the Leafs of the world. 
No, they certainly don't. And a guy like Mark Stone is certainly a catalyst for that. I mean, I think Mark Stone might be one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, I mean, he I, over the last six years, he leads the NHL in takeaways by over 300, which is uh, pretty darn impressive. Boy, the Leafs could use a guy like that. Um, let's talk about the other series, though. Now, we know, we know what the other conference final is going to be as we record this. It's going to be the Islanders and the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, boy, it really breaks my heart it's my turn to feel bad as a fan that i get to watch barry trotz continue to win and our ownership group in washington seemed to think that we didn't need to resign him so uh that's great uncle ted thank you um but what do you think of this series it's going to be a fantastic series john cooper and trotz are going to go head to head for the fourth time and it's going to be excellent i i agree i think this has got the making of being the best series you know throughout the playoffs um, just because of the the two coaches and the way they they work uh, their rosters, um, I love Barry Trotz, and you and I know that from you know just our talks over the years. Um, I, I think he does an amazing job, and and he gets his teams to buy in. And you know, I, I think Lou Lamarillo being the GM there, and 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 having Barry as the coach, the way they've iced that team is just. Uh, they're an amazing group. Like I know they've got, I know they got superstars, but when you think of the names out there still left, you're not talking about the Islander superstars. I don't think they're just a collective group that go to work every day and play the system to a T and, you know, they live by the system and die by the system. Right. Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, you look at guys like Matt Barzell, he'd probably be the flashiest player they have. Steve, your thoughts. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the series, this is one series where you can really look at the goaltenders because uh, Vasilevsky, um, how much will he be tested? Like, will the Islanders even get a crack at him? Not when Victor Hedman's on the ice. I mean, I said Victor Hedman's just a freak of nature. I think he's a top five player in the league. And um, yeah, man, the way that Tampa team plays. But, you know, Brooksy, like you said, the Islanders, they just plug away at you. And and keep in mind, and Clarky and Brooksy, I apologize to do this to you again, but it's got to be really frustrating, mostly for Clarky. Brooksy, I feel like he handles these things a little bit on a more even keel. Brooksy rides. How do you know you're. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> Brooksy rides life at about a five. Clarky's at an 11 when the Leafs lose. Um, but it's got to be frustrating to watch a team like the Islanders that I, I think we could all agree are probably a little less talented flash wise than the Leafs. They're doing this without their captain. Anders Lee is out and he's not coming back guys like this. Is, there's not going to be some miracle story where they make the cup final and there's Anders Lee in game four. This guy is out and he, like here they are. And who's the general manager? Hmm. Well, yeah, you can say, you can say what you want about Lou, but, but again, though, if, if you're going to use and, and Brooksy, I'd love your thoughts on this. And, and I know that there might be some issues just in terms of the way that maybe there's a perception. Dubas is too married to this fancy style of hockey analytics, the young core, but I, I really feel like Dubas this year, I, I don't really know what you can fault him for because he's assembled a really talented team. And everyone last year said they got to get tougher. It'd be good. So many people tweeting, we got to get Wayne Simmons. He went and got Wayne Simmons. He got Joe Thornton. He got TJ Brody. Like he did everything that the fans were crying about. And I thought TJ Brody was their best defenseman by a mile uh, in the playoffs and down the stretch in the regular season. This year, I, I think that this lies solely on the players. I think Dubas did a good job. Brooksy, what do you think? I, I can't argue that. Um, I, I, I completely agree. He got the players that the fans wanted. Mm -hmm. So, so I want you to hear that again. Yep. He went out and got the players the fans wanted. Would Lou Lamarillo have ever gone out and got players the fans wanted? Lou doesn't do anything anybody wants. He <laughs> but, but, I, but Ryan, my point is, and that, yeah, yeah. this isn't a shot at Kyle because again, he did he did go out and get the right like everybody thought were the right fits for this team and did a good job doing it. But his plan still is to be this puck possession style team. He's got a coach. He went and got, you know, Sheldon Keefe, his coach that he won with, right. That 
he's had since Sault Ste. Marie to, to run this uh, style of play. The question comes back, honestly, is this the style of play that wins? And you look at the teams that are winning, like St. Louis won a few years ago, playing that kind of hybrid hockey. They still brought old school physicality to the game, right? They still played good defense. Tampa Bay last year, yeah, for all their stars, they played lockdown hockey. They had a fantastic goaltender. Um, they got a stud on the point, like you said, in Hedman. Um, but they played defense. They, they didn't turn pucks over. And, and really, the guys that produced for them during the playoffs are guys that still you don't normally hear about, minus Braden Point. But Patrick Maroon's a playoff star last year, right? This year, there was a kid named Coleman. Like, I, I don't watch Tampa, so I apologize. But you see these different names on the score sheet every night, and you're like, who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Right? And and they, they, they continue to find ways. But I don't know. I just – I would like if, if – for Kyle Dubas, I'd like him to say, okay, look, this is my team, for better or worse, right? I'm not worrying about what the media says. I'm not worried about what my fan base says. If I believe this is how we're going to win, this is how we're going to win. I wonder if they'll take a look at the, uh, not not those veteran guys and not the top guys, but maybe those middle guys like the Engvalls and the Kerfoots and maybe try to bring in more energy guys and guys who are willing to, you know, to go to those ugly areas and get pounded, maybe to, to create chances. Maybe, maybe he's going to look there now. I don't know. Well, well, you know, the one image that sticks in my mind is, is the goal that Corey Perry assisted uh, in a game against Winnipeg. He skated into a check in the crease and everybody went to him. He dishes the puck up wide open net. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did not. And Spezza would do that with the Leafs, but he, but how can you like, you know, rely on Jason Spezza to be one of your best players when you have four guys making over ten million, right? He's making what eight hundred? Yeah, seven hundred and fifty thousand. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't again, and and that's the biggest indictment I think when why I would say it's on the players because Kyle can't put a pair of skates on and and do this for them. Like, you can no, yell at a guy. Sure. I agree or, with you, Ryan. I've said or, it. I or have eighteen analytics yep. meetings or sit down with a yep. guy and again. I'm not bashing analytics. I think they have a place in the game for the record but you can't like you can sit down and have a meeting a video meeting with austin matthews mitch marner whoever 18 times during the year and go you got to go through this check and they don't do it and and if mitch marner went seven games this season in the playoffs without a goal fine it's been a lot more than that it's a it's 18 it's a pattern 18 Uh, games without a goal sorry but you can't do it you you say analytics ryan but it's interesting that and you guys talked about it earlier in the broadcast that they never changed their tune. Mm-hmm. So the numbers, if the numbers keep telling him, Oh, do this, do this, do this, because the other team's going to do this and do this, but the other team changes. Well, that just takes your analytics out the door and you've got to adapt. Hey, Brooks, so, do you think the game hurt like the way that the game is called in the playoffs hurt a team like Toronto and benefited a team like Montreal? We talked about it a couple weeks ago with, you know, there seems to be a lot more of the hooking and holding and the clutching and grabbing in the playoffs. Sure, the Leafs power play sucked, so it didn't matter if they got a power play. However, my point is it shouldn't be this way. It seems to benefit those mucking teams. I I don't disagree. And I think though, I think part of that is as a coach, is you you've experienced it, right? Like they experienced this last year with Columbus because Columbus yep. by far is not a run and gun team. They were that muck and grind type team. Mm-hmm. So you've got to kind of prepare for that during the season. And did you see that out of Toronto? Did you see them get into those dump and chase muck and grind no, type? No, for no. Sure. no. So they didn't make those adjustments then. Um, I go back to Ryan on this and, and to his point. I kind of agree with you, Clark. I still think this is on Dubas, even though I don't believe he plays the game and I, right. But I've been in this spot as a coach and GM, I've been in the spot where you've iced the team and you can't play for them, but you believe in those pieces. So something has to give, are they going to remove those pieces? Or are they going to remove the piece that put them together? Mm-hmm. Ultimately is the decision that has to be made and, and, or how many opportunities are you going to give them before, you do move on. Yeah. As you said, if you listen to the fans so much, you're going to be one of them. That's right. Instead of the general manager. Yeah. It's, <laughs> right. it's a tough spot, right? Because, uh, and again, Brooksy, I, I know that, you know, it's, 
it's tough to throw comparisons out there, right? And and I've heard them all. I've heard them all, and I've made some of them myself. Just, you know, you and I both know we watched, you know, Washington struggle for a long time. They finally got it done. But, you know, that was a bit of a different problem where their star players would show up and they had no depth. And half the time they were carouseling goalies too. Um, finally got it done. Uh, the one thing that bothers me sometimes, uh, because again, like I said, Dubas can't play the game, but at some point, some things do need to change. And the whole notion of, of well, they want to play puck possession hockey and everything. Great. It's great having the puck more than the other team. That's fantastic. Really, really good. But to compare it to think like I see a lot of people throwing out those Detroit Red Wings comparisons. Listen, even in the latter stages, the most recent Red Wings winning teams, Toronto doesn't have Nick Lidstrom. They, they just don't. I love Morgan Riley. I like TJ Brody. They don't have Nick Lidstrom. They don't have Nicholas Cronwall. They don't have Pavel Datsuk. They have guys that are very skilled and, and you'd plug them into that lineup and sure they play and they win, but they, they don't have Thomas Holmstrom. They don't have Chris Chelios. They don't have Brad Hall. They don't have Luke Robitaille. Like it, the but I don't think defense was the problem. Having well, you say no, that, but it, it wasn't this time. Right. But who knows how things. imbalanced the roster is going to be with 40 odd million tied up in four players. Well, it's that's why a, Seth Jones would be a nice addition. Seth Jones would be a nice addition. I think he'd look really, really good. Uh, my cousin would tell you that probably. Um, anyway, I, I just, I don't know. Let, let's move on to awards. Obviously the heart finalist name today, McKinnon, uh, Matthews and uh, McDavid. Of course, I, I think we're probably all on the same page that, McDavid will win, but what are your thoughts on those three players right now and what they're doing for the league, Brooksy? Well, they're three of the most elite players in the game. They're they're the I don't want to say the funnest because that's maybe not, but they're they're dynamite to watch. You know, on any given night, um, when you see McDavid play, you're just wild by his speed and you know what he does with his speed and creativity with the puck. I mean, he's in on every darn Edmonton goal <laughs> they score. Um, Nathan McKinnon is kind of in the same breath. Like we don't get to see him enough unless you've got, you know, the hockey package to go flip it to an eye of game and you want to stay up that late. But when you see him play, you're just wild by his speed and strength and power. And I mean, he's such an elite dominant player. And yeah, we watch Austin Matthews on a daily basis here. I mean, at my house anyway, and the man's fun to watch. Like he gets a puck on his stick and scores. And I haven't seen somebody do that a lot since well. Ovi, like, right? If you're watching Ovechkin shoot and score, Austin Matthews is kind of that guy, just kind of evolving it to a to a little bit different, right? Like, just with the snapshots and the and the angles and everything else, he's he's that dynamite player doing it, like Ovi did. Yeah, he just goes about it in a different way. Sorry, go ahead, Clark. I was just gonna say, and two of them were really good in the regular season. One of them has some playoff success, anyway. Yeah. Well, I'd argue the other guy had plenty of playoff success and no help, but yeah, it's uh, uh, OV. Who? No, no, I, I wasn't. I was, sorry, I was talking about McDavid and Matthews. Oh, right. Well, uh, and and I'm glad. I'm glad that's what you meant because yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brooksy, I'd also like your thoughts on that. Edmonton is a weird team where they've got plenty of money locked up in two guys. Now, mind you, it's only 20, 21 million, give or take, but still you look at the rest of that lineup and there's really not a lot that jumps out at you. Like they have, they have an okay defense core. Like it's okay. I, Darnell nurse went to another level this year. I thought Darnell nurse was amazing. And I actually think he should be nominated for the Norris, not win it. But I, I thought he should have been nominated for the Norris. But uh, once you get past dry McJesus and, and nurse, I like no disrespect to, you know, Nugent Hopkins and guys like that. I just don't see a lot there. Like Ken Holland's got some work to do out there, Brooksy. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, they definitely need to find some, some better secondary help for sure for those two guys. Um, it, it It's funny talking about Edmonton and Toronto because you can kind of loop them both, right? Like I know Toronto mm -hmm. maybe has a few more pieces, but 
you would wish they would just take care of the puck, right? If they just played a simple game and took care of the puck and just said, okay, game breakers, break it, right? Like they play these teams that play chess with them and wait on the mistake, or they sit on McDavid and Drysaddle and shut them down and say, I dare you with your other guys and they make the mistake, yeah. right? Um, it sounds like the game plan against the Leafs too, though, right? Like it's exactly mistake, uh, Dermot mistake, boom, boom, it's over. That's right? well, that's that's exactly right. Like it's, yeah. and though that's what the playoffs are. I mean, it, yeah. I don't care what level you're in the NHL, down to junior B, down to minor hockey. You get to the playoffs. It's a, who makes the fewest mistakes tends to win, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, there, the argument is again, you got McDavid, you got Dreiser, you got Austin Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and then Tavares when he's healthy. You can outscore anybody if they're playing. But if the mistakes around beat those guys, they can't do much with it, right? Yeah, for sure. Hey, I got a question, guys. Like uh, with the Hart Trophy, you know, McDavid more than likely will take it home. But do you think it was a snub that Leon Dreisaitl wasn't nominated along McDavid? Second in points, he was fourth in goals with 31. Um, I know usually you don't have two members of the same team nominated, but I mean, he's got better stats than a lot of the other players. And he was, he was key for, for Edmonton for sure. Who would you leave off the list then? I, I would leave McKinnon off. Or d- yeah, that's, Oh man, that's hard to say. Cause I don't know. The, we've talked about this so many times, the way they word the award, like the Ted Lindsay is a little bit more on the nose for me because the players vote on it, but the way they word it most valuable to your team, was he more valuable than McDavid? No, because McDavid had two points again. Like what he did this year was sickening. Mm-hmm. Um, and to my knowledge, guys, uh, Leon won it recently and, was McDavid nominated alongside him? I don't know if he was, but I remember in the 90s, Yager and Lemieux were nominated at the same time, I believe. But I don't think it's a snub because Dreisaitl just won it recently. And yeah, I, it, w- you can't take Matthews off the list because he led in goals by such a gross margin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then McKinnon is... A freak like he. Uh, you look at the other players on that Colorado team, and you and you look at the Rantons and the Landis Cogs and the Cadre. Well, not right now, but uh, <laughs> the rest of the team, Makar, all their great defensemen. Um, he's a freak. He is the straw that stirs that drink. No matter what, that that team is not the same without him. So, it's an interesting debate to have for sure. Brooksy, what are your thoughts on that? Should Drysaddle have been nominated? I. <laughs> So it's a tough one. I, I like all three that were nominated, but I, I'm not arguing with Steve or disagreeing with Steve either because um, if, he, if you had taken McDavid out of Edmonton, Dreisaitl leads that team. Much like yeah. when, when he was injured last year and Dreisaitl won the heart, um, he, he led that team. He's a, he's a superstar in his own right. It's just that he's playing with the best player in the world, right? That's kind of hurting him. And to your point, Ryan, when you put up those kind of numbers that uh, McDavid did, um, what was it, two points a game, averaging two points a game or three points a game or wherever the heck it was this year. Like, unfortunately, no matter how good Leon did, didn't take, nobody would take notice due to the season that McDavid had. Yeah, he was doing some freak stuff. Go ahead, Clark. Just before we let you go, um, give us an update on what your future holds. Uh, I know uh, last year you were uh, hoping to come back and coach the Cyclones, but season that never happened. What What's the future for you now? Uh, well, first off, I hope hockey just gets going for yeah. everybody here. Um, my future, I'm going to help the Junior Bs as an advisor um, with hoping COVID and all the COVID stuff, you know, passes here and hockey gets going. I'm, I'm anticipating my wife and I are anticipating our three children to uh, kind of get back into the swing of things. And um, I got two girls playing for the soggy Maitland lightning organization, which is a lot of travel. And then uh, my son's playing for the Huron Perth Lakers. So hmm. between the three of them, we're going to be ripping around, hopefully lots of places. And uh, I want to make sure I get to be with them as much as I can. Nice. 
And I, well, I think you've given enough to deserve that time, Brooksy. I think the Cyclones, I think the Cyclones, uh, you know, have definitely benefited from all your contributions. And uh, hey, you're still going to be an advisor, so that works out. They're they're still going to get all your wisdom. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think everybody's appreciative of everything you've done, and we appreciate you coming on the show, man. We really appreciate this. Thank you. Well, thank you again for having me. I love coming on. Absolutely. There's always next year. Just remember that. There's always <laughs> next year. <laughs> There's always next year per infinity. Uh, really quick, uh, before we go to the next segment, guys, speaking of, of Junior B, did want to uh, give a little shout out. Uh, some unfortunate news from the local hockey scene uh, this week. Stratford Warriors uh, player, and guys, forgive my pronunciation here, uh, Carter Sunderward uh, passed away suddenly uh, this week. He was a member of the Stratford Warriors and uh, uh, here on Perth Laker alumni extremely sad news uh, and we pass on our condolences to his friends family the warriors the here on perth lakers and uh the entire community uh that's uh mourning carter's passing we'll take a quick break here on mwo sports when we come back we got to talk about this sticky stuff scandal going on in baseball right now what's going on what can they do about it what does the future hold we'll talk about that next year on mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co this is mwo sports Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky and Steve Sabern. We appreciate our buddy Jason Brooks jumping on to talk about hockey with us. Uh, let's talk about baseball, guys. Uh, you know, it's it's positive overall. The Jays are actually playing pretty well, and uh, they've got a lot of guys performing at a high level. Vlad Jr. is the best hitter in baseball right now, and, th- and that's all great. But I don't want to talk about hitting today. We've got to talk about pitching because one of the biggest stories, and it's ongoing, is sticky stuff in the major leagues and the different substances that pitchers are using. Guys, you've been watching baseball a lot longer than I have. And, you know, you look back throughout the years at the Gaylord Perry's of the world. I mean, his spitball got him into the Hall of Fame way, way back, it, you know, in the 1900s, early 20s. Guys were rubbing dirt on it all the time, doing whatever they could to manipulate the ball. This isn't new. But what's going on in baseball now is pitchers and and teams are using substances that are so far beyond foreign that it is really affecting the way that baseballs are being thrown at batters. Uh, RPM is the big stat in baseball right now, bigger than launch angle and exit velocity. It's RPM, the rate of spin of pitchers and as you know with it, no matter how hard you throw the ball if it spins more you lose the laces and it's harder to see and you can look at guys spin rates right now and they are crazy um spider tack is the hot topic now this crazy substance like guys what we're seeing now is something that we've never really seen before certainly in the analytics and stat cast era in in pitching steve your thoughts on what's going on right now and how because baseball says they want to police it how they can do that well first of all what is it with baseball like every decade there's a new cheat (laughs) now this goes back all the way to like before the 1920s first it was gambling uh then you brought in uh cocaine in the 80s there was uh i mean hitting the steroids this and that like every time you turn around and you think baseball is like yeah they're back this pops up yeah like, i mean you should be talking about vlad Guerrero jr and how he's leading in home runs and rbis and all this neat stuff and is a triple crown threat even though it's it's early june um but instead we're talking about guys who are putting stuff on the ball to, you know, make it, you know, drop off the table a lot quicker or sooner. And, uh, you know, how you police it. And, you know, that's tough because the other team, as it stands now, I believe the other team has to say to the ump, Hey, you need to check them out. Yeah. And, you know, you don't really want to do that unless you are, absolutely 100% sure because the other team's going to turn around and do it to you. 
Um, and you see it very few and far between that teams will actually challenge uh, the equipment or something of another player. Uh, we've seen some notable ones, George Brett. I was just We all know how that reaction Have turned you out. ever seen but someone was, so mad? No, I haven't. But you know what? <laughs> that it was so irrelevant to him hitting the, the ball. It like, it was. It was. Yeah. But my, Boy, yeah. he was mad. So, I mean, how you police it? Like, what are you going to do every inning? You're going to, you know, search the pitcher and um, <laughs> I... I don't know. Like it's, it's really unfortunate. And, you know, you can look at the statistics and people can say, well, they're the hitters are still hitting. Mm. No, your prime hitters are still hitting, but the overall effect on baseball is negative when it comes to batting average and offense. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand how they can't figure out if these guys are using this stuff. Like, well, they are. They right. Are. So they do have to start challenging. Like a quick Google search of this stuff. Like, do you know what this stuff like? Spider tack? Like, I don't know if you can see this picture. Yes. This guy's holding v- a brick. Yeah. Like, I know viewers. you can't see it on the radio, but like, just Google spider tack and see the product page. It's, this stuff is unbelievable. This guy's holding a brick without like on the top of his hand. Yeah, it's like, industrial grade adhesive. Yeah. And yeah, for yeah. our listeners, the, the ad for it is, yeah, literally a guy holding it up with the face of his palm yeah. stuck to a cinder block. Like the stuff yeah. is extremely sticky and it's not just spider tack. That's a really popular one. But guys who got like there are rumors um, an Angels employee was fired recently for basically making this stuff called go-go juice that he was giving to other teams. I'm dead serious. And like teams are hiring chemists to come up with their own brand team brand of sticky stuff that's distributed melting down coke and using the residue like, here's the deal by the way they, they, they have to just start like giving guys 50 60 game suspensions if but, they get caught but and then here, and then maybe it'll get out of the game because why why can they not and Steve you referenced it a second ago why can they not inspect the pitcher every inning? Why can't why, they inspect the ball? Or Ryan, the ball. it's got to be on the ball, too. They don't even have to look at the pitcher. There's that great picture a couple years ago of Yadier Molina stopping a pitch, and it hits him in the chest protector, and it sticks yeah, to him. Exactly. The, the ball's sitting there like it's not yes. a magic trick. Like, David Blaine yes. wasn't at the ballpark that night, guys. Exactly. Like To me, how like, hockey... The referees have all the pucks in a freezer in the referee's room. Mm-hmm. Not that doctoring, what are you going to do to doctor the puck? You know, it wouldn't yeah. benefit you. But like the, the referees are in charge of the object of play in football. You have to, you bring your 12 footballs that you use on offense, but you have to give them to the officials two and a half hours before kickoff. Why are the, why do the umpires not just have all the balls? And maybe they do. I don't know. But it, but the pitcher, they go out, they hide it in their belt. You see the guys after every pitch or they put their hand in their glove. They've got it hidden there in their little thumb, thumb joint. Look at the pitcher, inspect the pitcher. Coming into every inning, look at their hat, their neck, whatever, and and move on. Just How throw the ball every once in a while. Please? Inspect the ball, like whatever. You, well, that's you can what do they're doing. You want, they're right? collecting you can, baseballs. You can do whatever you want, but like, I mean, I I don't know if the umpires can be responsible for bringing like seventy-two dozen balls or whatever each game. That's a lot. No, but, and, and and fine, but and, and, and like the team, the home guy. team has to rub them down with the mud, right? Like you know, they rub each ball yes. down. Yeah. Um. So to make it the umpires. Stickier. Yeah, the umpires wouldn't be doing that either. But no, and again, and that's it's easy. Fine. You see something weird? Give me the ball. Give me the ball. They're, Throw they're, it back. You're out. Like make some rules that would discourage it from happening, and maybe it wouldn't happen. But it's like, a crazy story, guys. Yeah, no, it is a crazy story. We've got like we've gone from banging on drums and like it's <laughs> cheating. The end of the day, it's not drums but garbage cans. It's cheating. Ye- You've got to look up uh, a video that came out on Wednesday of this week where Garrett Cole was asked about spider tax specifically. And he like essentially said, I don't know how to answer that because this and that. So, yeah. So you use it, Garrett. 
And Garrett Cole is a great study in this because his spin rate, he had a terrible year in Pittsburgh, went to Houston, and his spin rate went through the roof, and it is unbelievably high this year. And it earned him, you could argue, a $324 million contract. Would he still be a good pitcher without spider tack? I think so. But at the end of the day, this stuff is... It's out of control, guys. Look it up. It's it's wild stuff. Just, All right. One thing about just one last thing about that is no team's going to pl- complain too much because they're doing it too. It's and that's the problem. That's that's a problem. It's not one team or two teams doing it. It's everybody's doing it. And how do you stop that? That's why you got to step in and- the ball and not have to rely on the teams to complain. Yep, league's got to step in and do something. There are reports of guys that say they can hear the ball ripping off pitchers' fingers from the dugout. It's crazy. How did he even right. throw it? How does he even I, come out of their hand, I wonder? It, it's anyway. ridiculous. Uh, MLB on pace this year to set the worst league average in terms of batting average across the league and the highest, strikeout, and the highest strikeout rate of all time. Sounds they got to do something. All right, we'll move on really quick. And coming up next, I will chat with our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire from CoolBet. So stay tuned on some hot bets for the weekend. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury here with our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire. Pat, how are you, bud? Doing great. I think I say this every week, but it's a great time to be a sports fan. It's a great time to be a sports better and be on Coolbet because there is so much going on, especially this weekend. Oh, it's the best. Another action-packed weekend. There's so much happening. It's awesome. Uh, Let's dig in. What are maybe some things that people should pay some extra attention to and lay some money on, Pat? Well, obviously, you know, NBA is uh, going on in the playoffs. The NHL is going on with the playoffs. But we're going to start things off across the pond. It's Euro 2020. We have waited a long time for this tournament. It's finally here, better late than ever. And things kicked off today, but we're going to go to tomorrow's match. And I love Belgium here over Russia at minus 130. I actually like Belgium actually to to potentially win this tournament. They have the third best odds to win the tournament at plus 130. 675 and this is probably this group's last chance to win an international tournament and they're calling this the Belgium's golden generation so they're loaded with talent uh, but they could be without some key players uh, to start the tournament tomorrow uh, but Lukelu is one of their best players he is playing at an unbelievable rate right now I think he alone is going to be able to fill in the shoes for De Bruyne and Hazard so I think they get it done over Russia they want to open up on a strong foot they'll get it done take that at minus 130 i like that bad i you know big soccer fan euro 2020 is going to be amazing and uh, i know that uh, there are probably some italians and some englishmen and lots of people from uh, european countries that are going to disagree with your belgium pick but <laughs> I, I like that pick and and i mean that's actually a pretty solid bet for them to win the tournament overall at plus 650 i think you said that's a that's a really quality bet and you're right their golden generation you look at romelo lukaku if de bruyne can come back and be healthy yep. he just won player of the year in the Premier League in England. Uh, we all know about my buddy Aiden Hazard, my former Chelsea love. So uh, if, if they can contribute with guys like Axel Witzel and Lukaku up front, I actually like Belgium a lot and I might take your advice there. And you should because Pat is the wagering expert. <laughs> let's move on. What else do we got? As I mentioned, playoff full swing. So let's go to the hard court in the NBA and the Phoenix Suns right now are a favorite or sorry, a underdog believe it or not, after thumping the Nuggets in the first two games. And I think the thinking here by the books is we're going to expect a better effort from the Nuggets. They're at home. Their backs are up against the wall. Whatever sports cliche you want to throw out there. But I think simply enough, I just think this Sun team is a better team. Uh, we're seeing them. They're, they're on fire right now. 5-0 and against the spread and straight up in their last five games. Um Devin Booker is playing on a completely other level. It seems like he's unbeatable at some nights. We're also seeing Chris Paul play like vintage Chris Paul right now. So I like them to cover the one and a half. I think I even like them on the money line even more. 
Uh, obviously, a lot of people, you know, when a team goes up 2-0, you always expect that pushback. We might see it. I think it's going to be a close game. But with that being said, if it's in within the one point, you're going to win your bet there anyways. I love that pick as well. And you're right. The Suns, they're fire wagon right now. Hop aboard, ladies and gentlemen. And CP3, we all know that when that guy's cooking, he is not a yep. cold cuts guy. He is all about the sizzle <laughs> on the steak. I love watching CP3 do his thing. What else we got? I know you uh, have a little bit of an interesting and for people in this area, exciting thought on the U.S. Open in two weeks time. Yes, so uh, Corey Connors, the Listowel, Ontario native, I've come on this show and praised him so much, and I think that this upcoming week at the U.S. Open is maybe a chance where he finally gets it done and gets a big tour victory and arguably one of the biggest being one of the four majors at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. He's right now 64 uh, to 1 to win that tournament. I think his ball striking, his approach, and his ability to find the fairway off the tee is going to be huge. I don't know if you've seen any videos on social media right now, but Torrey Pines, the rough right now, looks like an absolute jungle. So if you can't find the fairways, you are going to be in trouble. And that is what Corey Connors is made of. He doesn't bomb the, the ball down the fairway, but he is super accurate, and his approach is better than anyone on tour right now. The one thing that scares me, and I know it scares a lot of people, it is the flat stick. The putter can go hot and cold, but I think if it heats up, which we saw last week, it started to tail off a little bit. I think he has a legitimate chance to finally win a major 64 to one as well, too. I think that's great odds. Some more odds will be coming for top 10, top 20. I like those as well. But right now at this price at 64 to one, I cannot pass it up. And I know the folks uh, in his neck of the woods and your neck of the woods are going to be pleased to hear that as well. Absolutely. 64 to one is just a great, great bet to take, especially with everything you broke down. Corey is one of the best fairway finders on tour, if not the best right now. I think he's got the highest percentage of fairway finding on tour right now. And it's all about, like you said, that putter. And if Corey can put that together, boy, I like 64 to one an awful lot. Pat, it's always a pleasure, buddy. There's so much great sports to take in. And I love all three of those bets. I think I might take all three and let you know how we did. All right. Uh, I appreciate Appreciate this as always, my friend. Thank you. No pressure at all, eh? No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I'll let you know if my wallet's a little heavier because of you. All right, everybody. Remember, you can listen to the show Friday nights at 6 on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca. We're also on Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV. Remember, we are airing every single Blue Jays game on CKNX. And so typically, MWO Sports on a Friday night will lead right into the Jays. So do not turn the dial. We're on social media at MWO underscore sports and this show is also available debuting friday nights at nine on our youtube channel for myself ryan drury clarky steve sabrin and of course pat gregoire our great wagering expert we appreciate you listening to and watching mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co 